maybe it was uh, when he took care of something that the doctors and maybe other people said was impossible. And you knew that you knew that you knew. Amen. It was God that did this. Amen. That's an undeniable experience. And so what I am praying uh, in this service today and, and for this, this church and for this community is that we have more and more of these undeniable experiences. Amen. When somebody gets healed, that's an undeniable experience. When one day they can't hardly walk, the next day they're walking, that's an undeniable experience. Amen. When somebody comes into a service and, and they can't see anything, and then when they leave, amen, their eyes, they can see everything. That's an undeniable experience. Amen. And God will do those kind of things in order to allow us to draw closer to Him, to trust Him. Amen. To be a miracle worker in our lives, to be a way maker in our lives. And I, I get so excited whenever I see God doing these things because uh, it's not about us. It's not about somebody who prays for you, who doesn't. It, it's really about God is trying to show us, you can trust me. You can depend on me. I, I can be trusted. Amen. And so I'm so thankful for God. I'm so thankful for what He's doing Amen. in our lives and in this church and uh, in this community. And you are not here by accident today. Amen. Amen. You think that you are the worst sinner in here. Uh, look to your right and then look to your left. Because you have probably been out sin 10 to 1 by some people in here. I'm just saying. Because there's nobody in here that's perfect and we all have our flaws. And some of us have personality and character issues that God is still working on us. We are not a perfect church. And they definitely don't have a perfect pastor at this church. Amen. But we are thankful for what God is doing and we're striving to be what God would have us to be. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's turn today to the book of James chapter 4. Amen. James chapter 4. At least you did a pretty good job. Filling in for Tyresha and Josh. Man. You know, sometimes i got to be careful. I don't want to get too jealous, Sister Mariana. Like, she plays everything. And she's very talented. She's a good singer, good speaker. She, does, she can just do everything well. And uh, sometimes I'm like, God... When you were handing out, you know, you, you know, oh, when you were handing out the good stuff, where was I? Obviously, Lisa was first in line. But anyways, we're so thankful, Amen. And uh, it's good to have. Uh, you noticed we had the new Jessica, uh, uh, my my niece Caitlin, is going to be going back to Bible college in a few weeks. So we're thankful to have a couple more weeks with her. And. Uh, Excited about what God's doing in her life. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles and we're, we're turned to James 4, let's read verses 13 through 17. It says, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a, a little time and then vanisheth away. For ye, that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. So you think you know how it's all going to be. And it's just a bunch of evil. That's all it is. <laughs> and then he says... 
Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. To him that knoweth to do good, and do it not, to him it is sin. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for what you are doing in my life, and God, what you are doing in this church, in this community. And God, I pray that you would speak to us today, and help us, God, to focus on eternity, and realize, God, that there are greater things in store for this church, and for our families and our lives, in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. 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 God bless you. you. may be seated. A while back, um, I found a picture and uh, this picture was of my wife, and the picture was my wife sitting on uh, the platform of the church that she grew up in, and she's talking on the phone, and she's sitting, and, and I looked around, and I looked at everything, everything around her, from the furniture to the carpet, uh, <laughs> the phone even, uh, <clears throat> even the clothes that she had on, And what I realized is that everything in that picture had changed. Everything in that picture. The carpet had changed. The furniture had changed. The clothes my wife wears, they had changed. All those things. Now, I know that's... But but everything had changed. Nothing was the same. And and I think one of the things that uh, we forget sometimes is that a lot of what we see and a lot of what we focus so much of our time on is temporary. Yes. And so I looked and the only thing in that picture that had not changed was my wife. She's still the same. She's still a soul. There's nothing that had changed about that. She's still beautiful. And I think because we focus too much on the things that are temporary, the things that do not matter, we, we, we spend so much time focusing on things instead of discipling people, instead of teaching, instead of uh, winning souls and drawing people closer that God has allowed to be in our lives. And we look at things as being so important, but God wants us to focus on souls and on people and, and their importance. And the Scripture says, "...to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not." To him it is sin, and we focus on so many times the wrong things. And Luke chapter 25, if you want to turn over there, you can can read it with me. But Luke chapter 25, we're going to read a little bit here today. Because I want you to know this is a little bit different, I know, than what some of you are used to. Most times I'll just read a few scriptures. But let's read today out of Luke chapter 10, and we're going to read uh, verses 25 through 37. This is a a parable, it's a story, uh, but it is very true to uh, our life, and it's very true to life in general. So if if, if you read it, it says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up, tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's the question. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And, And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. And he said unto him, He said, You you will do this, you will live if you do this. You will have eternal life if you do this. But the, the, the lawyer, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And... Who is my neighbor? Let's get technical. Right? That's what lawyers do. Let's get technical. So, sorry, no, not trying to throw shade on all lawyers, but that's what a lot of lawyers do. They get very technical. And, and who is 
my neighbor. And, and so uh, we continue to read, Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. and uh, stripped, They stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And so by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Went around him. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, he came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Went around him. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, Jesus asked the lawyer, thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. The road to... Jericho from Jerusalem is an incredible landscape that descends toward the Dead Sea. Jericho is on the north corner of the Dead Sea, the lowest point in the world, uh, 1,300 feet below sea level. It's a very winding and treacherous road into the heart of the earth. And so we find that this road was not just an easy trek, but this was a, a journey. This was a journey that this uh, man was on. And unless you are looking for it, you might miss the ruins of the ancient building on the side of the roadway as you go. Tradition has it that it was built over an inn that was two stories tall. Animals would sleep on the first floor and the people would sleep on the second. 2,000 years ago, the innkeeper opened the door to find this Samaritan and this broken man. And so the innkeeper had a dilemma and he was told to take good care of this man and he was told to uh, whatever he needed to do, however he needed to spend the money. His dilemma was, how should I spend the money to best help this dying man? If he had to spend out of his own pocket, would the Samaritan ever return and give him what he had actually spent out of his own pocket? And I began to think about this man's plight. And I started to think about, man, if somebody showed up at my door and said, Here, here's this broken dude, take care of him, fix him, whatever, and, and here's money, this, this should take care of it. But if you, if you have to spend anything extra, uh, you know, I don't know this guy. And I started thinking about how he must have felt and what he must have been going through. And I began thinking about how we are today. We invest in a lot of things. We invest in cars and houses and vacations and a lot of material things. And there are many benefits that go with saving and that go with investing, especially in things that have a good return. But this man was dying. Could he even recover? What was the best course of action for the innkeeper to take? And so I want to break this down a little bit and make it as simple as possible. The man that was on the road represents humanity. All of humanity. The highway robber is the devil. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And life has beat up on some people and they are broken and they are bruised. 
And they are on their journey from time to eternity. And on that journey, Satan wants to beat you up. Right. Satan would like to take you out. He would like to get you off track. He would like to slow you down. And Jesus tells us the story of the Good Samaritan to show kindness even if people are not like us. Right. I like it because Jesus kind of calls them out and says, well, even the ones who aren't like you. And who, and who is my neighbor? The lawyer said. And who is he? Just exactly who is it that I have to love Basically, Jesus was saying, everybody, even the ones who aren't like you. Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan to get us to think outside the box and realize we spend so much time worrying about the wrong thing. This was the nicest 15-mile road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was, it was traveled often. We would think of it as a, as a highway. It was probably uh, nicer than any other treacherous road that they would have taken. But it was also very high with crime and burglary. And in the Scripture, he says this man went by himself, which was not a good idea. It's never a good idea to travel alone, especially if you are in a dangerous place. Amen? If you're in a treacherous place, it's not good to go alone. That's why the Scripture says that, that it was not good for man to be alone. It's not good for any of us to be alone. Amen? Uh, the Scripture talks about how can two you know, walk together except they agree. The reason is because one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand to flight. And, and when you start combining and people become family and people become a team and people become strong, amen, anything is possible. But this man went by himself. Can I just stop and say sometimes people do things that aren't very bright? You ever notice that? You know, we, we sometimes, and I'll be honest, I'll be the first one to say, there have been times where I heard about somebody doing something and then they were reaping the rewards of it. And I just, in my head, I just shook my head. I was like, Psh, they should have known that was coming. Man, they, that was stupid. Why did they do that? No empathy. No feeling bad for the people. You know, we all do dumb stuff. I was, I was uh, in Costa Rica a few about a month ago now, and I jumped up on this rock to to hang out with my my friend and take a picture. And it's like it was like I don't know what was it, brother Miguel, maybe ten, twelve feet off the ground. It's like twelve feet off the ground. And for some reason, I was thinking on my way up, I was thinking, you know, this is kind of slick getting up here. And I was like, I don't want to like slip down the rock and bust my head. So I don't know what came over me, but I decided when it was time to get down, I decided I was just going to jump down. Because there was like sand, you know, it was just sand. Well, I didn't realize that the sand was really hard. It was like cement. It was like concrete. And so when I jumped down, there was no give. Like I was going to bend my knees and just kind of roll over, you know, and just do the little ninja roll. That didn't work. What happened was I... And I hit it, and I was like, uh-oh, I'm going to have to fall back, or my knees are going to give way, right? So I hit it, and then I fell backwards, and everybody oh, Pastor, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm okay. But really what had happened was <laughs> that split second in between when I jumped and when I was hitting the ground, my brain said, you're a fat old man. What are you doing? <laughs> that was a dumb idea. 
And we all do dumb stuff from time to time, and sometimes we have to pay for it. Thank God I didn't hurt anything too badly, just my pride. Uh, but, but, you know, sometimes we do stupid stuff and we have to pay for it. And, you know, this guy goes out by himself and people have a tendency just to get themselves in trouble. When we're left to our own devices and we're left to our own thinking, people inside and outside of the church, they find themselves in difficult situations. It's not uncommon. You know, I, I, I was watching this video not too long ago, this guy, and he said, you know, people come into my office every week. He's pastor. He said, people come into my office every week. And they're like, whoops. And I'm like, stop it! Because we all do dumb stuff. We all get ourselves into trouble. And I'm not referring to people that, you know, I, I'm, I'm talking about some people that find themselves in hard times or difficult situations. I'm not talking about people that live on, you know, they live on handouts and charity. I'm referring to good people that make mistakes. They just, they find themselves in a bad way. The two that passed him by were good men. They were men of character. They were men of integrity. They were religious men. And it's very likely that the third person should not have even been seen with him. Because he was Jewish and the man helping the Jewish man was a Samaritan. In those days, the Samaritans didn't have anything to Jews and Jews didn't have anything to do with the Samaritans. They hated each other. Um, I could go into some racial and different things, this you know, stuff that's stirred up in our, our society right now, but I'll I'll choose to refrain from that. But but let me just say it was not cool. It would not have been looked at as something nice. It would have been like, what is he doing with him? But the Good Samaritan, we see in this story, the Good Samaritan represents Jesus. Who else but Jesus? Jesus said, I am come that you might have life. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil's trying to take you out. But I am come that you might have life. If, if the Good Samaritan hadn't come along, this guy would not have had life. Jesus came. He said, He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to seek and to save that which was lost. All right. Here's the deal. You can't get good enough to come to Jesus. There's nobody. Well, I'm, I'm pretty good. I think He should accept me. No, that's not how it works. There's nobody that can earn their way to Jesus or earn their way to heaven. You can't get good enough. So the good, the good Samaritan accepts you as you are. Amen. Amen. The old song we used to sing is, I came to Jesus weary, worn, and sad. Right? And He took my sins away. He, he, he bound up my wounds. He knew that I was broken. He knew that I was bruised. He knew that I was scarred. But He cared about me and He loved me anyways. Amen. Amen. Jesus cares about the lost and dying. Jesus cares about those who are broken and hurting. Jesus cares, amen, about the ones around you who have made dumb choices and they find their life a mess. Jesus cares about them. Amen. As much as He cares about you, He cares about them too. 
Amen. Jesus cares about souls. If you don't believe me, just read the, the Scripture. I mean, it's all about... He said, I didn't come for the ones who don't need a physician. I came for the ones who are broken. I came for the ones who are hurting. He cares about the lost. He, he tells parables about leaving the 99 and finding the one that is lost. Jesus cares about the lost. We've got to get that, amen, into our minds and into our spirits. And I would say that we've got to go even further than that not just realize that Jesus cares about the lost, but that we should care about the lost. Right. Kind of what was at the heart of this whole discussion with the lawyer was, you don't care enough. The, the, the lawyer was like, well, I know. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, that's right. And then, then he says, wait a second. I know how to love myself. I love God. But who is my neighbor? Who exactly are you telling me that I actually have to love? Alright, so we find this story to be very interesting because we've already talked about who the Good Samaritan is. We know the Good Samaritan is Jesus. Humanity, right, is represented by the man on the road. And we've got the devil who are, is the robber. He's the thief. He's the one that's trying to take people out. But then we come to the inn. The inn is the church. Do you know why Jesus brings people to the church? You know why His Spirit draws people? Because they're broken and they're hurting. And what better place for them to find hope? Amen. This is not a country club. This is not a museum. Amen. It is a hospital for the poor. It's a hospital for the broken. It's a place where people can find rest. It's where they can find peace. It's where they can find healing. And so Jesus brings the broken and the hurting and the messed up to the church. And some people are like, yeah, but I came to church and I wasn't that messed up. <laughs> Well, excuse us. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've been pretty messed up at multiple times in my life. There's been many times where I needed the church. There's been many times where I needed, amen, somebody to love me and somebody to reach to me. We need to use what God has given us as the church. We need to use what God has placed into our hands. And I know sometimes people say you need to focus on your investments or you need to focus on saving, right? That's what you teach your children as they're going to focus on on saving. And you know, I have a problem. I'm just going to admit it to you. My wife and I, we are two different people. My wife is an incredible saver and I am an incredible spender. <laughs> and never in my life has somebody told me, you know, just focus on spending. Just You just have a good time and focus on spending. They always say focus on saving. Uh, but here's what I figured out. This is a good title for my message today. We need to focus on spending. Yes. I, now let me clarify, Sister Gisela, before you get excited and grab hold of Miguel's wallet. Let, let me let me tell you what I'm talking about. We sometimes take the things that God has given us, the talents, the abilities, the skills, and, and we hoard it. We save it. We pile it up. And we got all these wonderful things. We got these gifts that God has given us. We have talents. And if we don't have anything, we can at least pray for somebody, right? Amen. We went to Costa Rica and we, we realized 
how, what, a, what a lack of spiritual understanding was in many of the churches. And we take it for granted that we just, we're blessed with good spiritual teaching and understanding and we have so much to be thankful for. We, we need to start using what God has given us. We need to start spending what God has. Come on, somebody. We, we've got to go beyond amen, just saving it and hoarding it and keeping it to ourselves. He said, I'm bringing people to you so that you can use what I've given you. Oh, I wish you'd hear me today. I want you to use what I've given you to be able to bless the broken and bless the hurting and be good to the ones, amen, that have made mistakes and they've messed up their lives. I want you to take what I've given you and I want you to spend it on them. Amen. Amen. And then he says, and if you spend more. Oh. Ooh. I'm sorry, this is going to rub some people the wrong way, but I think it's wrong for a church to have no debt, to have everything paid off, and to have tons of money in the bank. I think it's wrong. Y'all got real quiet. Here's, here's why I think that. Because I, it's good to not have debt. That's great. No problem there. But then if you say, I, I know some churches, they have hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank, just sitting in the bank. And I'm thinking... What could that be doing? Right. Some of these churches, they have no outreach. They have no discipleship. They have, they're just having church. They're just, they got some good program, but they're just having church. They're not really doing anything for the broken and the hurting and the ones that God is bringing to them. And so my question then is, is that what Jesus meant? I don't think so. I think Jesus wanted not only for us to use what He has given us, but I think He wanted the innkeeper to extend a little bit. When was the last time you extended so that somebody else that was broken or hurting or messed up, when was the last time you extended so that they could have grace? I know, I told you it wasn't going to be popular. Because y'all are focused on saving. You want to invest in a sure thing. You're going to get your money back. Everything's going to be good. Can I tell you, this is not just for one color. It's not for one race. It's not for one social status. Jesus did not describe the man's nationality or, or his, his well-being, his abilities. And sometimes when people walk into the church, we want them to look the part and act the part and have everything figured out before we spend time on them. And sometimes we just... Sorry, I'm going to say it. But sometimes we won't spend any time on them because we're afraid they might take our place. I got my position. Don't be messing with me. This is my pastor gave it to me. No. We've got to understand there's so much at stake here. God wants to use what He has given you to be a blessing to those who come. Amen. To be a blessing to those He brings into your life. Right. Don't put a... Uh, you know, think about it. What if you went to the hospital? What if you were show up to the hospital, you're really sick, and the hospital uh, put up a sign on the door that says, No sick people allowed. Mm-hmm. Let's not put up a sign on our church. And I'm not saying a literal sign. I'm saying a sign of how you act and how you behave and how you portray yourself when new people come. What do they read on us? Do they read, uh, you're not welcome here. 
Or do they read, hey, we're so glad that you're here. We want you here. Come have a cup of coffee with us. Come talk to us about life. Tell us what's going on in your life. Do they, do they feel like there's a, an open door for them? Do they feel like they are welcome? Or do they feel like, you know what, you're not quite like us, so you need to just go. He said, spend. Spend. Focus on the spending. Where can I best spend? Amen. To help this hurting man. To help this broken man. Where can I best spend? Amen. I may have to spend some of my own money. And so if I do, where can I best spend it that will help this man? See, our responsibility is to help save dying people. You know, America, we used to say, give us your poor and your broken. And... Now, there's a lot of stuff going on in our world. I get it. I get it. And I'm not trying to look. Please do not. This is not a political statement. We are not. I'm not going to be political today. But there are some things that are going on in our world. And, and we can't just have a big open door policy uh, and, and say, hey, we want everybody. Because right now, that's a scary thought. There are some people that are using that kindness against us. Yes, amen. All right, I'm not, look, I'm being vague on purpose. The point that I'm trying to make is that the church, we have to be open. We have to be understanding. Now, we have to be realizing if there's a wolf in sheep's clothing, we're going to have to deal with it. If there are things like that, we'll take it on. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who are broken. I'm talking about people who are hurting and people who Jesus brings into our life for a reason. We need to focus on spending and spending well. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about spending ourselves. God made us the church. The church is His body. and The church is not a building. When God brings people to us, He's actually brought them to the church. Are you with me? I don't care if you're in Walmart. If He brings them to you, He brought them to the church. The Good Samaritan brought them to the church and said, hey, this person is hurting. This person is broken. Sometimes if you're like me, you, sometimes you have uh, times in the middle of a, a grocery store and people are just weeping and sobbing. And, and every once in a while I'm thinking, I wonder what people are thinking is going on right now. Why? Because people hurt. And they've, they've, they've gotten themselves into bad situations, but we are responsible for them. It'd be easy for us to turn and go the other way. It'd be easy for us to do what the, Samaritan, the, the Levite and the priest did. I'm going to be the first one to be honest with you. Joe, there are some people that I've seen coming... I'm like, I just came in here to get milk. I do not have the time for this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. Now, now, I'm not saying that that makes you a bad person. I'm just saying that from time to time, we all get in a hurry. From time to time, uh, you know, there's sometimes I'm late for a meeting, I'm late for a dinner, I'm late for this or that, and I'm like, I really, God, I really don't have time. You don't understand. He's like, yeah, I know. It's okay. No. No. If God brings somebody into your life, that's what's most important. Amen. I was thinking about how the innkeeper must have felt that day. He probably said, you know, I have a lot on my agenda. I really don't have time for this. Ouch. Ouch. I'm stepping on my own toes for those of you that didn't know what was going on right now. 
we've got to focus on spending what God has given us. How are we spending in reference to eternity? Ah, Pastor, I don't want to think about that. I know, I don't either. But we have to. Because to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Mark 8, 36 and 37. It says, For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That's spending. So, I've come to realize that there are a lot of things that they're just not important. You know, I've stressed a lot about this sound, the building. Crystal, you and Sister Dummett and some others, Sister Gisela, y'all have worked hard on this building. Painting, cleaning. But Ted, we had such a wonderful time putting up these blinds. It was awesome. We spent a lot of time on this physical building, but do you know what? This building and everything in it is temporal. It's only temporary. Someday, should God tarry, everything around here is going to come to dust. I don't know if that's going to stand like I want it to, so let's let's move it down. Everything in this building, the seats that you sit on, this keyboard we spend money on, this pulpit, everything, all of it, it's all just going to go. And, and you know, it's all going to go, if, if, if Jesus comes back, sound system, wonderful guitars, this, this fun wall that I spent so much time on. All these things, you know, that we, we invest in and we, we just think that they're so important. You know what I wish some of you guys would do? I've got some tags here. I wish some of y'all would go out to your nice vehicles and put that right up on your, put that right up on your, your, your dashboard. You don't have a nice car, forget it. I'm just, I'm just saying. I wish you'd take, take some of these tags and go find some stuff that really, you know, it's just a thing. It just really means a lot to you right now, you know? And, and I wish you'd take it, maybe put it on your house and maybe put it on your front door as you walk out. You can just remind yourself all this stuff, it's, it's just temporal. It's just temporary. It's not going anywhere. It's, it's going to disappear someday. Everything that I am so focused on, everything that I'm so worried about, everything that I'm making payments on. Right? It's all going to be gone. It's all just temporary. It really doesn't matter. But you know, like the picture that I told you about earlier, the only thing that's going to last out of that one picture that I kind of got this whole message from is this right here. This is eternal. I think I have... John, when you go ahead to help me, I think I have one for everybody. Everybody in this building 
is eternal. Your soul is going to go on forever. For eternity. And guess what? Every person, I wish I could tag every person that walks through our door. They're eternal. I wish I could go even further than that. I wish I could take a tag uh, to everybody in the village, Pat. I wish I could do that. I wish I could put temporary on their house, but then whenever they show up at the door, I wish I could just tag them as eternal. Yes. Why? Because we're not seeing sometimes what we are investing in. We're, we're spending so much on things that don't matter and things that are going to pass away. And we work overtime and two jobs and we work this and we work that and we're so focused on all these things that don't matter. But we have to be teaching Bible studies. We have to be getting together in small groups. We have to be investing in people. Why? Because people are eternal. Their souls are going to go on forever somewhere. In Psalm 2.8, God says, Ask of me, I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. So this is what I think. I think this is what we need to do. You all have a, an eternal tag, right? Everybody has an eternal tag. I wish if you had a pen, I wish you'd take it out right now. I'm going to just challenge you. I wish you would... Everybody look at your hand. Everybody have... Just about everybody in here should have five fingers on your hand, right? I wonder if you could, before you do anything else, I wonder if you could think of five people in your life when I say they're eternal and they are going somewhere. The first five people that come to your mind, I wish you'd write them on the back of your tag. I wish you'd say John, Sally, and Bill, and Bob, and Larry, all of them are going to go somewhere. And I wish before you do anything, and I'm not saying you go start texting them or assaulting them or anything like that, before you do anything, I want you to take this week and just pray. He said, Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. If you could just, uh, just see your hand, He said, I will give it to you. You've got five fingers on your hand. You've got a thumb and four fingers, actually. But if you take your top five people that you are going to pray for, and then every day this week, I don't care, you can, you can name your fingers or whatever you want to do. This is Bob, and this is Larry, and this is Sal. You, you can do whatever you want to do. But every time you go to pray this week, God, I pray for Bob. God, I pray that you would touch Bob's life. Give me a road to speak to Bob. And I pray, God, that you would open his eyes to truth. And God, help him to seek after you. Help him to want to know who you are. And God, let me be a, a, a door that uh, you can open, God, for him to find you. And, and, and whatever you need to do in his life, God, help him to come to repentance. Help him to be baptized in your name. And God, fill him with your spirit and start praying and pray for Bob. And then go to Sally. And God, I pray for Sally. Do the same thing. Pray for for every one of your five. Just five. It might take you five minutes. It may turn into 20 or 30. It may might be 45 minutes when, you, when you're said and done. But you're five. Now, you think I'm doing this, but I've been doing this actually for a long time. We, we've been praying for five target counties and cities. Did you know that? How many of you know that? 
Alright. For those of you that don't know, every week we are praying for five counties and their county seat. We pray for Jefferson County. We pray for Valley Station because we're here. Alright? But even before we were here, we were praying for Jefferson County. And then in Meade County, we pray for Brandenburg. We're praying for Meade County and Brandenburg. In Bullitt County, we're praying for Shepherdsville. In Breckenridge County, we pray for Hardensburg. And in LaRue County, we pray for Hodgenville. And you say, well, that's, that's great. We got five. We have five target areas that we are praying for. Why? Because God said, ask, and I will give them. Ask. And it's very easy for us to say, oh, well, we love God and we love people. When was the last time that we prayed for them? You should have five people in your life. There should be five people. You can pray for these counties. You can pray for these cities that we want to see an apostolic church established in. But more importantly, I want you to pray for those five people close to you. Why? Because God will open up a door for you. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything... Anything? Yeah, anything. According to His will, He hears us. What are you asking for? Their salvation. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. So you know that when you ask according to His will, His will is for them to be saved. Guess what? He's hearing you. And then look what it says. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Are you with me? We know that God wants everybody to be saved, right? It's not His will that any perish, but that all come to repent. We know that. And so we know we have this confidence. We have this confidence. We know that if we ask according to His will, He hears us. And we know that if He hears us, we'll have whatever we ask. Yeah. What if if everybody in this church was able to positively affect somebody's salvation? Right. Five people in the next year. We need another church building, don't we? What is it? What is it, Pastor? Why? Why are we so? Uh, you know, that seems so simple. That just seems so. Uh, you know, kindergarten. That that's just. I know. And to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Right. We get so busy focused on God uh, touch my job, touch my career, God bless my family, God touch this person and do that and do that. And we're, we're focused on all these things that benefit us, that are good for us. Right. When was the last time we started praying with love for people that was good for them? Amen. I want to see them saved. God, I want to see them delivered. I want to see them set free. And not because it's going to do anything for me, but man, it's going to save their soul from hell. It's going to bring them out of the fires. Amen. And I believe that God will answer those prayers. The Scripture says we can have that confidence that whatever we ask according to His will, we will have it. Amen. So how do we respond? How do, how do you respond? Well, first of all, if you've not already, you need to follow the very simple plan of salvation that is outlined for us by Peter in Acts chapter 2. We need to repent. We need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And we need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. These are non-negotiable. This is not just like, a okay, well maybe we can do this. Maybe there's multiple ways. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. There's only one way. And so if you have not been saved, you need to be saved. 
If you've not repented of your sins, you need to repent of your sins. Turn from your sins. Give your life to God. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, we have a baptismal. In about 20 minutes, we can be ready to baptize you today in the name of Jesus Christ. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, He wants to fill you. That's why He brought you to this church. He wants to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And then, if you would, let's stand together. And then secondly, we need to think differently. Every time you go to spend money, every time you go to spend time, every time you're planning stuff. I know we just, we just took a, a mission trip to Costa Rica and a lot of times people are like, you know, wasn't that a great vacation you know, that you guys got to go on? No, it wasn't a vacation. It was work. It was an investment. But it wasn't an investment in just playtime. It wasn't an investment in just, well, we're just going to go see some beautiful stuff, which we did. But it was an investment in the eternal. When we start looking at things as temporary or eternal, it's going to change our perspective. I would like for you to consider the last verse of the text from James 4. And then after that conversation, I want you to look and how short and how temporary life is. This week, my mom sent me a picture. And this picture is of one of my friends. And uh, many of you probably already saw this, but he works for uh, the Jefferson County Water for Louisville Water. Him and his, his friend, his co-worker, were out fixing a hydrant and got ran into. How many of you saw that story? Well, my mom, God bless her, she's not super tech smart. She sends me this, this link, and in this picture I have, you know, man dies, man injured, you know, heart, uh, uh, Louisville water. Uh, and this picture is of my friend and his, his co-worker. And so I see this man dead, and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, it really, my, my stomach just... And then I read the story and I found out, you know, it was, it, it was my friend, but my friend was the one that was injured. It was his co-worker that was killed. And that same day, uh, we found out about a, one of Caitlin's friends from Ohio that uh, was in a tragic car accident and lost her life. Just 27 years old, I think. And it really makes you think about how temporary life is. I began to think about, you know, what, what God would have us as a church to do, as His people to do. And that would be, don't be so focused on the stuff that doesn't matter, but focus on the eternal. Focus on spending what He has placed inside of us so that we can see others come to Him. I know it, it's not really revolutionary and it's, you know, not a big deal to pray and to reach and to love and to give, but we need to focus on spending. Spending what He has given us. And He said, if you spend more than what I've given you, I, I will... Man, He gives and gives and gives. Guess what? We don't even have to wait until the next life for Him to give back to us. He gives back to us now. I have found whenever I spend myself and I extend myself and I wring myself out for Him, it's like He just refills me again and again. 
He's not going to be outgiven. He's not going to be out. He loves you so much. Amen. He gave His life for you. And He says, if you'll give of yourself, I will give back to you. Amen. This altar's open. If you want to respond today, amen, maybe you want to start praying for those five. Maybe you want to surrender your life to God. I would just challenge you today, make God and make eternity a priority in your life. Because it's the only thing that matters. This altar's open.